Welcome to CFOs in Motion, presented by CFO Intelligence with your host, Andrew Zizis. Dynamic and direct one-on-one interviews with CFOs and executives from enterprise and middle market companies. And now, here's your host, Andrew Zizis. Hello, and welcome to CFOs in Motion where highly accomplished CFOs at middle market and enterprise companies share their views and insights. I'm your host, Andrew Zizis. Today, we have an exciting discussion in store for you. I'm joined by an incredibly accomplished finance executive and a longtime friend, Todd McElhatton, CFO of Zwara. With more than 25 years of experience in corporate finance leadership prior to becoming CFO at Zwara, Todd McElhatton was Senior Vice President and CFO of SAP Cloud Business Group, including Concor, Fieldglass, Ariba, SuccessFactors, C4HANA, and Qualtrics. Some of his key responsibilities include effective capital allocation, successful integration of acquired companies, forecasting and planning, risk management, and driving efficiencies while developing commercial pricing strategies across multiple lines of business to ensure the overall financial health of the cloud business group. Before that, Todd held senior finance leadership roles as CFO of VMware's hybrid cloud business, vice president of Oracle's cloud services, and CFO for Hewlett Packard Managed Services Business. Todd holds a bachelor degree in business administration from Southern Methodist University and an MBA from the University of Tennessee. Zora provides the leading cloud-based subscription management platform that functions as a system of record for subscription businesses across all industries. Powering the subscription economy, the Zwara platform was architected specifically for dynamic, recurring subscription business models and acts as an intelligent subscription management hub that automates and orchestrates the entire subscription order-to-revenue process across billing, collections, and revenue recognition. Zwara serves more than 1,000 companies around the world, including Box, Ford, Penske Media Corporation, Schneider Electric, Siemens, ExploreNet, and Zoom. Headquartered in Silicon Valley, Zwara also operates offices around the world in the U.S., EMEA, and APAC. Todd's agreed to talk with us today about the role of the CFO and what's next. Todd, welcome, and thanks for joining me on CFOs in Motion. It's really great to have you here. Andy, it's good to see you again, and it's good to be here. You look wonderful. You look well. So, Todd, let's, let's chat about what's next. You know, I I think about airplane pilots and pilots, you know, they sit in front of the plane, they manage takeoff and landing, they guide the plane, they land the plane, and they ensure that people or cargo on the plane get to the destination safely and on time. I admire your idea, something I've heard you talk about before, where CFOs are more pilots versus historians. Share with me your view about CFO as a pilot. So, Andy, I think from my perspective, the role of CFO has really changed. You know, a lot of times people looked at the CFO as the person that, you know, reported the numbers and said no. And when I take a look today at myself and my peers, what you see that we're really doing is we're really sitting there. And I I think the CFO is interesting because it's probably one of the only positions in an organization, just like the CEO, where you see the whole picture, everything that's going on. And it's really your job to help bring the team together 
to put together what the plan is. And one of the things I always tell my leadership team and I tell our board is when I put together our annual plan or our long-term plan, it's not a finance plan. It's our team plan. And it's my job to make sure that we've brought everybody together, that we've thought about the pros and the cons, and we've thought about the risk, but more importantly, we've thought about the resource allocation and what's gonna be needed to deliver on a growth number. And you know, one of the things I learned really early in my career is, you know, it can become really easy when someone's sitting there and doing a spreadsheet exercise and saying, hey, we're gonna get this type of growth. But the question is, did you really go back and understand, well, to get this amount of growth, I need 30 more salespeople. And by the way, you know, those 30 new salespeople, you got to have a recruiting function in HR that's going to bring them on. And somebody in the marketing group is going to have to get pipeline for them. And we all know that, you know, the day somebody comes, especially in the enterprise SaaS business, it's not a, you know, weeks or months sale. You know, it might be several quarters. So there's a lag time for when they become productive. And it's the same thing as if you're looking to sell inside uh, to your customer base, what is the new products that you have coming out? And when do those products come out? If those products aren't ready to the third quarter, that has a really big difference on what your revenue opportunity looks like compared to if something comes out on day one of the year. And so as CFO, it's really your job to make sure you're bringing those things together. You understand what's happening in the market. You have an idea of, of are, you know, are people being too aggressive or too rosy on their assumptions? What's happening in the competitive landscape? Should you be looking at buying some of these things rather than building them yourself? And so you really look at the role of the CFO and it's really out there. And you're probably the only person other than the CEO that sees the entire company. And it's really helping guide that strategy, making sure you're making the right investments and then holding people accountable to achieve those. And that's what I really like about the role. And I think that's what you're seeing today's CFOs doing. They're more strategic and operational than they've ever been before. And they've also got to have a foot in every one of those functions within the business to really be successful. You're talking about the difference between being a historical CFO, a rearview window type who talks about what happened yesterday and one who's forecasting what's happening today and certainly what will happen tomorrow. In, in turbulent times, business or otherwise, kind of like we have today, how does your team handle forecasting? There's a lot of different ways that we handle forecasting. I think, you know, we certainly start taking a look at the macro. What are we seeing um, out there? What is historical? You know, how does that compare to our historical trends? What are we seeing from customers? I mean, one of the things that I do in an enterprise sales cycle is last year we were talking, I, I met probably with over 100 of our customers. And, and that's great. I think every CFO needs to be out there and listening to your customers because, you know, it, it's really insightful when you hear things like, hey, um, your product quality isn't where it needs to be, or I'm having a problem with this or that, or I don't like your pricing, your pricing is really higher than some of your competitors. Um, and I know I'm kind of dwelling on some of the, the negative things, but it's really good when you start getting the unvarnished feedback from people that aren't in the echo chamber of telling you what they think you wanna hear. It's what, what, what do customers really think? What, do, what are analysts seeing? You talk to um, you know, the different Gartner and IDC and Forrester, you know, how do they view your product? Uh, how do your partners, uh, for us it's system integrators or other people in the tech ecosystem, how do they view your product? Where do they think you ought to be spending more? Um, and and it's, it's, it's a great insight to learn. And I think that's one of the things that you really helps you pull together on what's happening in forecasting. Look, we have 
great sales teams. We build a really good, robust sales operation function. We use a lot of analytics to understand how's the pipeline developing, what stages is it in. Um, we sit there and I always like to say, you know, I try to get things in three or four different ways. I, I love to consume data. And so, you know, I'll try to understand what does the coverage look like? We'll use some AI tools to tell us based on how pipeline is moving and what it looks like. Where does that think it's going to go? Where does um, our sales teams and our, you know, our first and second level sales management, where do they think things are going to land? Um, what am I hearing from my peers or what am I hearing from customers? Um, you know, that's always really super helpful. I try to check in on some of our key deals on a regular basis um, and have relationships with those CFOs or whoever is buying our service. And we sell a lot of times to CFOs. So it's kind of good to get their perspective. Is, is this really a Q1 deal? Um, you know, are we on track for it looking like this? And I think, you know, you pull all of those sources of data together. And when you don't over rely on one thing, I think that really helps you triangulate. And like you said, land the plane to where you want to every quarter. And, you know, you, you made a really interesting comment a minute ago. I'm just going to kind of go back and expand on, you know, the CFO of looking back towards looking ahead. And, you know, I can tell you as a public company CFO, and, you know, we've all seen this and it's really hard to explain to employees sometimes is like, Todd, I don't understand, you know, had a great quarter, but why, uh, you know, why did, why did the stock go down? Or, you know, why are people really down on the stock? And, you know, at the end of the day, yes, what you did in the last quarter is really important, but more important than what we did in the last quarter is what we tell people we're going to do in the next quarters and years. And so, you know, it's all about, you know, people are buying a company for its future values of cash flows and profitability. And so, you know, having that visibility and be able to have a story to people that you're growing and where you're going is really important as a CFO, because that's a big part of our job is making sure that our shareholders understand where we're going to be and giving them the vision of how we get there. That's excellent. That's excellent. Todd, as an enterprise software company, Zora's operating model is subscription based, of course. What's the benefit to the company and its customers to be subscription-based versus some other models? I mean, I think, first of all, we really are big in subscription. Our founder really kind of led the charge and has been a visionary in how subscription models are evolving. And I think one of the first things that we see overall, subscriptions are a way to really even out the playing field. It's a way for people to get experiences or do things maybe that they couldn't do. Um, even at a broader level, if you think about it, it's much more uh, effective for the environment. If you think about it, where you've got people and sometimes when, you know, they're buying things, think about on a consumer where, you know, it used to be we bought a record, we bought a DVD, we bought a physical um, subscription to a magazine or newspaper. And as those are now transitioning to rather than owning something, but having a, access to that as you need it. Think about how much more effective it is to distribute it. Think about how much more effective it is uh, on the environment, on not having some of the heavy waste that you have there. But it's also, for a lot of companies, it's a lot more effective way to buy just what they need rather than buying something and hoping they consume it all. So it's a much more effective way for companies to go ahead and procure things. Think about compute power. You know, we went back, you know, 10 years ago, almost everyone had their own data centers. And now what you're seeing is people are moving to the hyperscaler. And that's great. You know, one of the things that helps my business is there are certain times of the month where we use a whole lot more compute power. And instead of having to go out and buy a bunch of servers that I use maybe for three or four days, I can just turn up what I'm going to use with my hyperscaler. And then when I don't need it, I turn it down. And so I don't have an asset that's sitting there that's underutilized. Um, 
We don't have the uh, environmental impact of that, of you know, not having that an environment, you know, something that's being powered up and consuming electricity and and you know, putting all the carbon footprint out there, but it's not you know, being very effectively used. So you get much more effective utilization of assets and it gives companies a much greater level of flexibility. So I think that's why you're seeing subscriptions being so uh, so prevalent. And it's everywhere from what you and I see as consumers, but it's what companies are seeing on their B2B on, on how they consume uh, different products and services. Well, and, I, and I, th- I, I would agree with you, Todd, in that, you know, we saw demand in subscriptions increase dramatically during the pandemic. Um, did you see, looking back into 21, did you see the same kind of growth in 21? And do you, you expect it to continue in 22 and beyond? So, you know, I think the pandemic was really interesting for a whole bunch of different companies. Um, you know, the one thing that we talked about, you know, um, Zora is known for this subscription economy index where we really do a lot of studying and understanding what's happening in that subscription economy. And a couple of things that we've seen is one is over the next couple of years, there's going to be one point five trillion dollars worth of commerce that goes through a subscription business model. Um, the second thing that we've seen is those subscription economy companies are growing at a much faster rate than other traditional companies are. Now, look, during the during the pandemic, And as COVID came out, you saw a lot of things happen. You saw some companies that super accelerated. Look at Zoom. They're one of our customers. It was a fantastic boom to their business models. People were stuck at home and it was the way that people collaborated. And quite frankly, enterprises kept going. And I think what you saw is by the end of the pandemic, a lot of enterprise companies, it was like this was the new normal. They were operating as efficiently or more efficiently than they did, um, you know, prior to COVID. But you also saw some companies that obviously hit some huge headwinds. And I think, you know, one of the things that happened to us is at the beginning of that, there were certainly some headwinds as people weren't sure what was going to happen and things certainly slowed down. We certainly saw some of our customers um, have some challenges, but we also saw some customers like Zoom as an example that saw exponential growth. So I'd say at the beginning of it, it became a headwind. But what we've seen over time is it's become a tailwind for us. And the reason it's become a tailwind is a lot of companies look back and said, wow, if I take a look at this durable revenue model, this is something I want to have. And when they looked at these subscription businesses and how much better they perform than non-subscription businesses, you're seeing companies across uh, the spectrum get into it. And I think one of the things that maybe surprises people is one of our fastest growing verticals is manufacturing. As companies like automotive and manufacturers are changing how they go to market, or you're looking at companies like Caterpillar, that are looking at IoT services on how do they monetize those and continue the relationship after a product. And those are areas that Zora has super benefited from and has been able to help us drive a lot of growth. You know, another story I'd like to tell is, um, you know, one of our customers was Clear. And, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, you think about it, Clear is known for getting through uh, airports. And at the very beginning, you saw, wow, you know, airport traffic, what went down by 90%, you know, people just weren't traveling. It was an awful time. And Clear was, I think, you know, clearly worried about that. And what you saw was their subscribers, yes, some of them canceled, but a lot of them didn't. And matter of fact, not only did they not, they grew and they ended up going public last year. And you sit there and say, wow, you know, you, you know that probably wouldn't have been intuitive. But what you learned is people said, look, I'm going to go travel again. You know, this is a temporary thing. I'm going to keep my subscription. And so rather than having something that you paid every time you used it, 
here was a business model that was extremely resilient in an industry that just really had some tough times. And so I think, you know, those are the things that are really resonating with people on what's so durable about subscription businesses and why companies really are clamoring to make more and more of their businesses of this model. That makes perfect sense. Now, you know, we've, we've just come out of a period of time where money was cheap, interest rates have been low for a very long time. Perhaps they'll stay, perhaps they'll change. But during times like that, many companies will look to leverage themselves, load up on debt, um, especially in, in environments like this. But Zora has taken a different approach. Zora tends to be cash heavy and debt light. Um, what's the mindset? What's the reasoning behind that? So I think every CFO is constantly taking a look at what their capital structure is and, and what makes sense. And as we've gone through over the last several quarters and we've looked, um, you know, one of the things that we've been really focused on is how do we grow the company organically? We are very fortunate that we are in a very high margin business and we have very good cash flow. And so, you know, from our standpoint, the capital structure we have right now absolutely works for us. But that being said, we constantly look at it and, you know, if there's changes that we want to make or there's opportunities we want to seize, there's lots of ways uh, for us to potentially finance those. And I'm always taking a look at, you know, how do we optimize the balance sheet? So let's talk a little bit about you, Todd. Um, you describe yourself as a down in the weeds kind of CFO. Uh, or rather, would you describe yourself as a down in the weeds kind of CFO? Or do you focus more on strategy? And Give us some guidance as to why. So, I mean, I think every CFO has got to be able to move in, in multiple places. So maybe my example is you can't be in the weeds at all time. You, you've got to be looking out at the whole enterprise. And I talked about this a little earlier. If you think about it, the CFO, other than the CEO in most companies, is one of the few people that sees the entire company and is looking at resources across all the different functions and, and how you make trade-offs. And there are times that you absolutely need to be able to click down and get into the details and understand if something's going wrong. And I think that serves you really well. But if you're spending all your time down in the weeds, I think that means you probably don't have the team that you need. And so, you know, from my perspective, I want to make sure that I've got a team that's empowered. If I think about the team that works for me, they're fantastic. They all know their areas super well. They do a really great job. And quite frankly, I think, you know, it'd be demoralizing for them if I was in their shorts every day going through. And, you know, we've hired people that don't need that. But there are certain times that we do have challenges and we do want to double click and we do need to be able to go down deep. And so I think you've got to figure out when is the right time to go deep when there's an issue. And if things aren't progressing the way that you expect them to or things are falling behind, you want to be able to make sure that you go down to the weeds and find out is, you know, there's a team there maybe not looking at things as objectively. And is it helpful for someone who's not so close to things on a day to day basis to also have a look at it? But in general, I think, you know, I want to stay at a strategic level, but there's times when you absolutely do want to click down and, you know, go down to 10 feet. So, Todd, you've always struck me as a, uh, a data driven executive, but you've also said things like customer experience is king. That implies that you've got an experiential side to me. Um, how do you balance the two? I think there's two things to that. You know, there's one thing you say, you know, the numbers never lie. And there is, for the most part, a lot of truth to that. But you can also present the numbers in such a way that, um, you know, they don't maybe give you the whole story. And the way I like to think about this is there's lots of things you can do in a business 
that will optimize in the near term. But the question becomes is, and you're looking at a company, especially like Zora, we want to go for the long run. We believe the subscription economy is growing at an exponential face, and we've got a huge opportunity in front of us. So yes, I want to make sure I make my commitments in the near term, but I also don't want to make commitments or I don't want to do things that maximize for the near term, but really cause me to do the wrong thing for my customers and build those long-term customer relationships. And so I think you've got to think about it that way to understand when I do something, okay, granted, this, this helped me, I made this quarter, but what does it do for this customer relationship over the long run? Does this make me one of the best vendors that people want to work with? Does this make me be one of the best places where people want to come to work? Um, you know, there's always things where you can optimize something, but I think you've got to be thinking about it is, okay, I got the result that maybe I wanted this quarter for this fiscal year, but what happens in a year or two? What if I sit there and decide I'm not going to invest in new product and one of my competitors all of a sudden, yeah, they took the hit on margin, but now all of a sudden, you know, they've leaped ahead of me because their product is a whole lot better. Um, you know, was that the right decision for us to make? And so I think, you know, you've got to balance all of those things together and, you know, data is a great thing, but your experience and understanding what your strategy is and understanding how that impacts your customers, your employees and your stakeholders, uh, you have to balance all of those things. Well, your words prove that uh, your belief is that uh, customer experience is king, Todd. Now, you've been in tech for a long time. You've had some roles, some pretty serious roles with a who's who of companies, SAP, Oracle, VMware, HP, and now Zora. What do you like most about the tech industry? I think the thing that's really fun about tech is a couple things. Uh, first and foremost, in general, we, we really attract some of the best and the brightest. You know, and I think about when I was beginning my career, it was like everybody wanted to go into banking or consulting. And I think you see today, you know, where does everybody want to go when they're starting their careers? Uh, they want to come to tech. And we do get a lot of smart people. We have a lot of diversity. We have a lot of different opinions. We give people a shot to do something when they're young. It's not so hierarchical. Uh, you know, tech companies really stretch. I mean, look how many young people have founded companies that have gone on to really change the world. Um, you know, take a look at some of the most valuable companies or the ones that are most respected. Uh, a lot of them come out of tech and they're doing things that really change how we as a, as a world evolve, how we communicate, how we are able to transact business. And it's just a really fun place to be. Um, and I think that's why you're, you know, that's why I've really enjoyed being in tech. And I think that's why you're seeing, you know, it's a destination for people today when they're coming out of school. Would you change anything in the structure of the tech industry? Look, I think there's always certain things that um, we can do better. I know our company is, is super um, focused on diversity. Uh, you know, there's times where tech gets, you know, kind of hitting that role of, you know, it's kind of a bunch of white bros. And one of the things that, you know, I know we are working very hard here is to make sure that our population of people looks like the population of our communities. Um, and that's, you know, how do we bring in more women? How do we bring in more uh, people of color and of other different backgrounds? And I think that's an area in tech where we certainly do need to focus to be more inclusive. But Todd, tech is all about, every tech is all about what's next, constant improvement, constant evolution. Um, 
within your group as CFO, how do you and your team focus on maintaining that same level of innovation? I mean, I think one of the things that we're always trying to look at is, you know, when we manage our finance function is how are we utilizing the best of tools and processes as we move forward? Um, you know, one of the things I'm always challenging my team is, look, I don't want to throw bodies at things. How can we automate things out of existence? How do we get more efficient? How do we really have this digital first mindset? And that's one of the things that Zora does. If we think about in the subscription economy, how do we sit there and automate transactions so we don't have people having to do manual processes? And I know sometimes people are like, oh my goodness, you know, you end up with all of this automation and are we going to automate everybody out of a job? And I would say, actually, what we're doing is we're automating out the work that nobody really wants to do. And if I think about my to-do list of things that I would like my team to be able to do, I know my team wants to do, to be business partners, to advise the business, to do some of those things that really help us strategically. Those are, my list is a mile long and you never get to everything you want. And so I think, you know, what I try to do and our team is, and what our team has worked really hard is, how do we able to do things that are more value add? How are we able to help the business grow? And quite frankly, that's the work that my people want to do. Nobody's ever excited about saying, gee, I can hardly wait to come in and do a big reconciliation. Um, you know, if you can automate that away, that's great. I mean, nobody's excited to do that work. It's something that has to be done. It's really important. But if we can find tools and processes to automate that away, um, there's a lot of things we can put people to work on that will help drive value of the company. So let's stay on that because I would agree with everything you said. Let, let's stay on automation. With, with, with the advent of AI that's really come on strong in the last few years across the entire enterprise um, and you know, minimizing or eliminating the, the mundane tedium that uh, is so prevalent in, in any aspect of the corporation today, should CFOs be worried about um, you know, being replaced by AI? Look, at the end of the day, we always need in technology, I think in every, you know, almost every industry, you know, we talk about people first. That's the most important thing at a tech company is at the end of the day, I'm not delivering or developing a commodity service. I am selling intellectual property. So I've got to bring in the best and the brightest people. And the way I look at AI is that's how do we leverage those people to get more out of them to be able to do more. And just as I said earlier, how do I sit there and move away from the mundane and the things that don't add as much value and really allow people to do the stuff that's the heavy thinking, the, the, the future strategies, and really drive and move the needle of the company? So I look at AI as a tool for any leader to be able to help make better decisions, faster decisions, more informed decisions. But you also want you know somebody in there to over you know to be able to oversee that. It's just like the pilot. Uh, you know, you have autopilot, but there's sometimes when you want to disengage autopilot um, that, you know, that experience is more important than what the machine has. So I don't know that you always want the machine, you know, 100 percent running something. You know, you want the pilot to be able to come in there and disengage and then say, OK, I've got the controls and be able to land it. And, um, you know, I think that's never going to go away. Someone with good instincts, uh, with a well-developed sense of experience and knowledge at some point needs to make a smart choice. So I, I would agree with you. No, so it's one always, last question, Todd, no, because, uh, go ahead. As I say, you know, it, you know, experience really goes a long way. And I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, somebody told me early in my career is, you know, you need to go through a down cycle and, you know, to manage through that. And 
know, it's just that different experience to know, hey, here's what you do in these in these uh, situations when things get tough. And I think, you know, experience is a great teacher. And I think that's one of the reasons why things like technology don't replace people, because at the end of the day, it's that, um, you know, career long experience of things that you've seen and things that didn't work out uh, that really help you drive to those good decisions. Because if you don't have a toolbox of things, you said, yeah, I did that once and it didn't work out so well. Um, but it, and it really helps you. And I think it's the same thing. If you haven't been through a down cycle, you really don't necessarily know how you manage things. I would agree. I would agree completely. So Todd, I, I've got one last question for you because I, I want to be sensitive to your time today. You've been very gracious with offering your thoughts and your ideas to us. A lot of our audience is, uh, includes your peers at companies the same size, companies smaller. What would you say is your best advice for a CFO given what we've been through, what we might be going through in the next few years, irrespective of industry? So I think there's a couple things. You know, first and foremost is relationships matter. Those soft skills, having people that want to follow you. Um, you know, that's probably the most important thing that I've learned in my life, especially as you become a leader. You've got to get a group of people that want to follow you, that want to do what needs to be done. And, you know, they need to be, I don't know if I want to use the word inspired, but they've got to sit there and say, okay, I'm willing to follow this person. And, you know, I'm willing to do what they're asking me to do. And you do that, I think, by developing those relationships and people feel like that you've got their backs. I think the second thing is you need to be intellectually curious. You need to understand what's happening, not only your company, but what's happening with your competitors and what's happening in the macro environment to see if there are disconnects. And I think the last thing I would say is it's all about people. And, it, you know, it starts with good people. If you bring in the right people and you empower those people and you give those people the ability to grow and to thrive, you're going to have a great team and you're going to do really good things. And I think, you know, one of the things that I tell people, especially on my team, you know, in finance, you kind of come up from a standpoint of you're a, an expert on something and you kind of do it all yourself. And as you become a leader, you're doing less and in inspiring people or getting people to get behind you more and more. And it's how do you develop that? And how do you really work to make sure over time that you're giving the people the tools to do things and that you're comfortable backing away from doing the work and giving the people the bandwidth or the rope in your organization to do what they need to do and to come along? Leadership uh, is everything. I can appreciate that. Todd, it's, it's always great to spend time with you. you um, you're always very giving, very transparent in your concepts. You're, you always share uh, some very intelligent insights, and you did that today. And I, I can't thank you enough, my friend. It's been wonderful having you with us today on CFOs in Motion. Andy, it's always great to get together with you, and I uh, look forward to us being able to do something again in person. Uh, for those who don't know, I think the last in-person event that I did was with you in March of 2020. Wow. That was in Washington, D.C. Yeah, boy, that it, was a long time ago. It was well, in Washington, D.C., which was, we all thought was just going to be a couple weeks that we were going to get off the road and, you know, things would get back to normal. And like you said, how things have changed and evolved over the past uh, 24 months. Well, it'll be a pleasure to see you again, Todd. When you're on the East Coast, I hope you're going to let me know. And uh, dinner's on me. Absolutely. Thanks, Andy. Todd, thank you so much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today on CFOs in Motion. This has been a production of CFO Intelligence. 
Uh, you can learn more about Todd McElhatton's views by reading his a story that we published on Todd and Zwara in the fall issue of CFO Intelligence Magazine. And you can request a copy of that at www.cfointel.com. Or you can learn more about Zwara at www.zwara.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for being with us. My name is Andrew Zizas. I'm your host. We'll see you next time on CFOs in Motion. Thanks for joining us on CFOs in Motion, presented by CFO Intelligence with your host, Andrew Zizas. If you have an interesting topic that you'd like us to discuss here on CFOs in Motion, or if you've got a great CFO topic that you're passionate about and would like to be interviewed on this podcast series or published in CFO Intelligence Magazine, visit CFOintel.com. That's C-F-O-I-N-T-E-L-L.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been CFOs in Motion, presented by CFO Intelligence with your host, Andrew Zizis. We'll see you next time. The opinions and views presented on this podcast by Andrew Zizis are his own and may not be relied upon as fact. The opinions and views of others who appear on this show are their own as well and may not be relied upon as fact or for any other purpose. Opinions and views and other information are provided for general information and educational purposes only.